Hi, welcome to the Parenting Reframe Podcast. I am Elbiona Rakipi, your host. I'm a former teacher, a parent, currently a pediatric speech and language pathologist, and I'm a writer. I've worked with thousands of children and families throughout the last 20 years, and I have learned so much. On this podcast, we'll approach parenting from a curious place. We'll ask questions and get answers, explore new ideas, unpack the unconscious beliefs and expectations we hold on to about parenting, and reframe what it means to parent. We'll search for solutions to some of our biggest parenting challenges, set aside judgments, and find our way through this wild journey. My hope is that this podcast is a space where parents can feel seen, heard, and supported. Welcome aboard, and let's reframe together. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Parenting Reframe Podcast. This week, we're going to do a mini one because my buddy Tank, who is my dog, had surgery this week and he is recovering. So he is right by me. So if you see or hear him barking, you won't see him. But if you hear him barking, if you hear him getting restless, I will do my best to kind of bring you something important and something that I wanted to share for this episode so that you have a good tangible takeaway. My goal usually in recording solo episodes when I do them, um, when I'm kind of thinking about what to talk about or when I pull my audience, or sometimes I ask in emails, what is it that you want to hear on Instagram stories? I really, my goal is to give you maybe 10 minutes of something that can feel tangible or doable in your home, or will at least let you reframe the way you've been doing something or the way you might view something. So today I'm going to talk about something that Joe Newman taught me. Joe Newman was on the podcast. He is the author of the book, Raising Lions. If you're new to me, um, he is one of my favorite authors of parenting books. Um, His book is phenomenal. If you have a strong-willed child, you should definitely read his book. If you were attending the Strong-Willed, Raising Strong-Willed Child webinar that I just did, I talk a lot about his methods and they're they're excellent and they're unique and they're a little different from other approaches that I'm familiar with. So I think his work is incredible. You can certainly catch that episode if you go back. I believe it's episode 29 and you can listen to that for more detail. However, I want to highlight something and I don't remember if he said it on the episode or if he actually said it when we did our Instagram live together. However, he said something that completely made me rethink how we approach kids who we deem defiant or strong-willed or spirited or challenging, whatever the word is that we want to use or words. He said this to me, strong-willed kids don't value approval. They value power. So what does that mean? And I talked about this in the webinar. Strong-willed kids are children that innately have a strong sense of self and power. And what ends up happening is they end up kind of having these big emotions that get elicited, come to the surface, and they can't manage them. So that presents as almost where it looks like defiant behavior. What we're really seeing is a child to some extent who has so much mismanagement of emotions, so much dysregulation happening, and it presents as challenging. It could be a behavior that's very defiant. It could be tantrums. It could be meltdowns. It could be hitting, biting, screaming. shows up differently in a lot of our kiddos. And that child is exhibiting a lot of power at that point, right? Now, they value power. They like that they are that way. However, it also scares them, right? Because they almost feel out of control. So when they are having a big tantrum about something, it might seem on the surface like the thing they're upset about is the toy that they didn't get, This is probably accurate to some extent, right? It elicits the emotion. The emotion takes over, the power takes over, and now they have no idea how to stop it. And what they're really asking in that moment is, where is my parental leader 
to hold this power with me, to take their hand and meet my hand. I'm reaching out. I have all of this kind of uncontrollable energy inside of me right now. It's spewing out of me and I need somebody else to help me contain it because I cannot. A child is still developing the ability to manage emotions and to regulate their emotions. It's a skill. They're not born with it. They're not born with the ability to inhibit themselves when they become outraged. They're not able to always control their impulses. This isn't true for every child. And certainly if you have more than one child, you know this, right? So back to the idea of an approval model of parenting versus a child who actually has a lot of power and values power. What do we do? So what is an approval model? A child who values approval. Think often of like your firstborn. Sometimes we see this, or if we think of birth orders, right? First, middle, last, or if you have more than three kids, they all kind of look a little different depending on when they were born. There's a lot of research around this too. It's pretty fascinating stuff. But usually our oldest child values approval. They like it when they do the right thing and we're there cheering them on. They do something and then they look to us to see like, was that good? Did you like that? They become very astute to looking to us for approval. Now, some people might say like, I don't want my child to always seek approval and this and that. There's nothing inherently wrong with it because as their parent, you are approving things that are healthy and good for them, right? You're setting them up for success. You're doing it in a loving way. Now, what we wanna eventually do is strike a balance so that they're not only seeking external approval to determine whether they're doing the right thing or wrong thing, but don't get super caught up with that yet. That comes a lot later, right? And that comes through experiences, just like it did in your own life. But when kids are young and they're looking to you for approval, that's okay. So a child who values approval to some extent, they're going to be a lot easier to parent, right? They're the kid that you say, hey, I need you to do this. And there they do it and they do it happily and compliance is achieved. They're cooperative. You feel like you've nailed this parenting game. And it's because your child really does have that valuing of approval. Now we have, let's say, child number two, and that child doesn't value approval. And you're so used to implementing an approval model in the way that you parent. I give a direction you follow the direction, I give you approval, everybody's happy. Well, that child doesn't value approval. So you give a direction, they don't feel like doing the direction you just gave, and they actually don't care if you disapprove of it either because that doesn't mean anything to them. What happens with them is they value power. Kids look for their role in a family, right? So they might look to see, where am I relative to everybody else? Like I see older brother or sister, they're the ones who are sort of get the pat on the back, get the thumbs up, get the good jobs all the time. They've got that role already down-packed. That doesn't feel right to me. I want to fight that. I don't want to do the thing they want me to do. I can't control my emotions. So when the child who values power responds in a way that doesn't look like the other child, just to value approval, we're completely perplexed because we're like, wait, I've done that with the other kids and it worked really well and they listened and they wanted to know that they were doing a good job or that they were right and that they followed the directions and, and were cooperative and whatever it is. But this child doesn't care at all and we're kind of left going, what do we do? Like we... They don't value approval. Okay, we get it. But now what, right? That's how we've been taught to parent. That's how most parenting models look. You have to think about it this way. Powerful kids need powerful boundaries. So when that child completely erupts, right? And they're having a huge emotional response to something and it's big and it's hard to even sit through, what they're saying to you is help me anchor, help me calm down. 
Now, that doesn't mean you walk over and teach calming down or that you explain calming down. They don't want you to talk to them. Not in that moment. What you have to do is set that boundary so crystal clear, show empathy, and just stop. And this is the hardest because every time I tell a parent, let them have the tantrum in response to not getting the thing that they want or the outcome that they want, and then they will gain the ability to regulate those emotions. It's so hard, right? We watch our kids in distress and we don't like it. Honestly, some parents will just say, it's very taxing and annoying. I get that. It takes a long time sometimes. The earlier you can start, the better. The longer we wait, the harder it is. When we first start setting boundaries without any compromise, right? We're just going to set that boundary. We're not going to be open for negotiations. We're not going to come in with second choices. We're not going to offer long-winded explanations of why hitting is bad. We're not going to do any of that. We are just simply going to set that boundary. Say, I know it's hard when we don't get the thing that we want. And that's it. They are going to get very upset. When they're calm, we can teach self-regulation exercises, but you can't do it in that moment. But I promise you, once you do this a couple of times, they will get better. Another powerful boundary to think about is the idea of breaks, which is what Joe Newman teaches. So when a child struggles to manage their emotions, and I've used this example before, we want to get them to a place where they are very calm, where they can calm their bodies down before they move forward. So let's use the example I was just going to mention was that, and I've said this before, let's say they're about to go outside and a big storm comes and you're like, oh, we can't go outside, it's storming right? And they're super upset about this. It's not the outcome that they wanted. In all fairness, you didn't want it either, but you can't go outside because it's storming and it's now not safe. So you say, well, we can't go outside because it's storming and it's not safe for us. You don't even have to say that much. They already know because they know storms aren't safe. And it elicits a big emotional response from that child. Let's say in two minutes, that storm clears up, okay? And you're like, oh my gosh, stop crying. Guess what? The storm's cleared up. We can go outside. Joe Newman would tell you, don't do that. He would tell you, wait until they completely calm themselves down and have them take a break where they stay with you and they remain calm for one minute. Not longer than that, just one minute. And all you're saying to them is, as soon as you can show me that you can stay calm, we will go outside. We will go outside when you can do one minute of sitting calm. I know you got this. That's what you're going to do because you have to teach them how to regulate their emotions because it's the same thing. The storm stops and then we go, oh my gosh, stop crying. Let's go outside. Well, the minute we say that now, it's the external factor that fixed it. They didn't manage their emotions. They just shut it down because they got what they wanted. So again, then then that proves that that maybe that emotional response had value to it. That starts to happen too sometimes for some of our kids. It's a very nuanced situation. And that's why coaching sometimes can be so helpful because we can really parse out all these little pieces and then put it back together in a way that feels right to you and to your partner and how it is that you want to parent your child. But the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because I wanted to dive a little bit deeper. I mentioned it in a newsletter, I think last week, and I wanted to shed a little more light on this idea of approval versus power and what a child values. And what do you do if you're the parent of a child who wants approval or a child who wants power? And what does that mean for us? So hopefully that gives you a little bit of room to kind of wiggle and to see what it is that you're doing. If you see you have a child who is strong-willed and you're leaning more toward an approval model or approval approach of parenting, that's not going to be very effective. So where can you make small tweaks? Where are you letting them have those moments of dysregulation so that they can learn and manage and get the skills that they need to work through it? So there's a lot to it. If you ever wanted to dive deeper or do a consult or learn more about my two-month coaching program where I work one-on-one with families, I will leave a link in the show notes for you to book a free call and we can go from there. But ultimately, 
Just take this information and just use it for a whole day and just reflect on what it is and how it is that you're responding and how you're perceiving those challenging moments. So thank you for listening and until next time. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening right now. And what really makes my day is if you share or recommend the podcast to a friend, it is the greatest compliment. If you have not already, head on over to theparentingreframe.com where you can subscribe to get my weekly newsletter, Parenting Skimmed. 10 sentences delivered to your inbox every Thursday to help you parent and live a better life. It's for the parent who constantly told me, I just don't have time to read. Make sure to come and say hi to me on Instagram at The Parenting Reframe. My DMs are always open and I love hearing from you. Until next time, this is Albiona. Albiona.